this episode of Converge with my guest, John Lee Dumas. It's sponsored by Faster Mind Coaching. Faster Mind is your personal trainer for you and your business, getting the kind of results you've been looking for at a price any entrepreneur can afford. For more information, check out FasterMindCoaching.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. When it comes to speed, that is taking an idea and making something of that idea that other people can experience that you've shipped, when it comes to doing that efficiently and quickly, I don't know if there's many people who can hold a candle to John Lee Dumas. A little over two years ago, John decided to launch a podcast, but not just any podcast. He decided to do it seven days a week, every single day. And he had a great system on how he was going to do that. He had a great format on how he was going to do that. We'll talk about all those kinds of things in a few minutes. But in less than a year, one year, he was named Best of iTunes for 2013. Now, just two years later, two years total, he's currently generating over $250,000 in monthly revenue, which, by the way, that's a month. <laughs> and on top of that, he's fully transparent about it. He explains on his website, entrepreneuronfire.com, exactly how he makes that money, where it comes from, and he tracks it month to month for everyone to see. Now, the reason this is interesting is because not only is he our guest today, but I have a hunch after you've heard this conversation, not only will you be inspired to get awesome done quickly, you'll do it at a pace because of the kinds of things he'll be talking about that will astonish you too. One thing I was willing to do in my life was be bad. I wanted to have my listeners know that, you know what, failure is part of the journey. All the greats have done it. It's a stamp and a badge of honor. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. John Lee Dumas, welcome to Converge. Dane, I'm excited to be here, my friends, and prepared to ignite. <laughs> As always, man, you, <laughs> you're a machine. Like, it's so interesting. I know your background. For, for those of you guys who don't know at home, John Lee Dumas, which is hard to imagine, but those who don't know, uh, John, your background is in uh, the military. You're a vet, and you, have, you went to grad school for law, uh, and then when you got clear about what you wanted to do, especially around podcasting, you decided you didn't want to mess around. And that seems to be a theme in your whole life. Like you are a focused guy. Talk a little bit about your journey from those days, way back when, when you got clear on what you wanted to accomplish with Entrepreneur on Fire. Well, no, I definitely have to agree with you. Focus has been one of my strengths that's surrounded by plenty of weaknesses. And, and that's definitely where I have focused most of my life is on that following one course until success, you know, to the detriment of other things, of course, but it works out in some areas sometimes. And, you know, for me, really learning the power of that focus was the military at 23 years old, being an officer in front of 16 men in four tanks in a war. You know, I was in Iraq for 13 months as a platoon leader you need to focus, focus on survival. And, and that was a really big eye-opener for me at such a young age. And I just started to apply that to other things in my life. And for some, some situations, they worked. And for some situations, they bombed. Fortunately for me, 
a seven day a week podcast needed focus, demanded focus. And I was able to surround myself with the right mentors and masterminds to make things happen. And there was definitely a lot of stumbling blocks along the way, and there still are, but it's been a fun journey. You know, from the outside looking in, it appears as though there's nothing stumbling. I mean, <laughs> honestly, and, and I, I'm just glad that you're you're transparent with us all the time on your show. You always invite other people to share likewise. But I got to believe that listeners kind of go like they kind of tilt their head sideways and go, really? I mean, <laughs> like, like talk a little bit about this, these detriment of others. Like what, what had to suffer for you to be focused here and and where where is the messiness? Because none of it's out front. It seems like it must be behind the scenes. Well, I am a big believer in the quote that if you want to be, do. I just, I love the simplicity of it. I love the power of it. At 32 years old, Dana, I decided I wanted to be a podcaster. And by hook or by crook, I was going to be a podcaster. Again, I did the right things. I hired the mentor. You know, I joined Cliff Ravenscraft, a mutual friend of ours, mastermind, invested heavily in myself in the equipment and the coaching and the courses and the conferences. I did it all. But None of that made me a a good podcaster, which was proof pudding when I launched back in September 2012. I was horrible behind the microphone. I was robotic. I was nervous. I was incredibly scripted. I mean, anybody can go back and listen to those first 50 episodes and literally this is what you're going to hear. Are you prepared to ignite? Like that was me. That was my aunt broadcasting radio podcast personality (laughs) because I was so new at it. But one thing I was willing to do in my life was be bad. You know, that's the one thing you learn when you are in the military. You're just thrown into the fire. I mean, you are bad at everything that you do because as soon as you get good at something, you get promoted to the next rank and then you're bad all over again. So I was used to getting chewed up and spit out and then chewed up and spit out all over again. So I took the heat, you know, I took the brunt for a while with the podcast about how structured, how formatted, you know, how bad of a host I was. And I just slowly but surely got better. And it took hundreds of episodes. But, you know, as we're talking right now, I just got uh, finished with Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul for number 900. And it was a great episode. Wow. Wow. Um, And I had a blast. And, you know, he had a great compliment for me afterwards. Maybe he was being nice. Maybe he was being genuine. But, you know, I thought it was a great interview. But it took me a long time to get to the point where I was like, oh, that interview didn't suck. (laughs) Well, it's, I love everything you're saying about this idea of establishing a baseline and failing early and often, especially because that's when you want to fail. When no one's listening yet, that's when you want to, to, to muff it up. But now that you've logged 900, ep- I mean, <laughs> do you realize that's ridiculous? Like, those are Seinfeld numbers. Like, no, <laughs> people don't do that these days. It's, uh, it's impressive, dude. It's ridiculous. Um, and I also, by the way, I love that you gave a shout out to Cliff Ravenscraft. I love Cliff. Love him. Great guy. And and, and I'm so encouraged because I know listeners are hearing this and they're going, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe my screw-ups aren't as bad, or maybe they are bad, but I they're the last time I have to do that particular screw up and I can get on route to something something new. Yeah. I mean, I hear these kind of these four stages all the time, right? This like the beginning, you're unconsciously incompetent and then you become consciously incompetent and you realize you're bad <laughs> and then and then you become unconsciously competent and then maybe you become like in your conversation with Jack Canfield like you become consciously competent and there's a sense of like mastery and, and freedom to really focus on the things that matter most talk a little bit about the stages of development as you've engineered this this career of yours 
Well, this is actually the first time I heard those four stages. And I think if I could like remember and pronounce them correctly, like I would definitely use those in my future episodes because I totally agree with the premise and with the concept. Although if I'm still lucky enough to be kicking around at episode 2000, I'm sure I'll look back and be like, you thought you were good at episode 900? Totally. Like what a totally. joke. You know, and that's what I love though about the entrepreneurial world. Is it's We're on this journey. And, you know, it's, it's a great quote by Earl Nightingale that for me, sums it up is that success and happiness is the gradual realization of a worthy ideal. And to me, those two key words are gradual and worthy. Gradual meaning you're on a journey. Yeah, maybe at 900, I do feel like I am competently conscious that I'm a good podcast interviewer, finally. Uh, but I'm still gradually realizing my ideal of becoming a great podcaster. And it's a slow, steady slog and a journey that only comes with time. And then why worthy is important is because it's not just any ideal, but it's a worthy ideal. And to me, Entrepreneur Fire is a worthy ideal because I get the emails every day. I get the handwritten letters. I get the thank yous from people who have truly been inspired and been with me on this 900 plus episode journey. Some of them for all of it, some of them for the last 200 episodes and some in between, but all of whom who have been impacted and are out there doing things that they may not have ever been able to do without the words, the stories, the journeys of the entrepreneurs that I bring on to share with my audience, Fire Nation. So it's definitely that Earl Nightingale quote that I always go back to when I think that I'm getting decent and just realize, you know, who cares? Because I do know that I'm getting better and that's the key. So the direction is the, is the focus. It's not so much the, you know, are you in, are you out on good or bad, but more like, are you med- heading in the right direction? Am I hearing you? Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, a lot more gray. There's not like a black and a white and, and there's no finish line. It's the gradual realization of that. Well, let's turn a corner and talk a little bit about your your podcast or the main one. I know you have several and your wife has some great work too, but I want to talk specifically about two aspects of Entrepreneur on Fire, and that is the speed of growth and then the quality of product. Because it seems like usually people pick one or the other. They try to grow (laughs) really quick or they try to be really good, but being really good is tough to scale and, and to grow quickly. That's just tough, period. But but on top of that, to do that in a way where you're not cutting corners at the wrong corners, talk a little bit about your focus on both getting to market quickly and at, at scale, but also having a kind of product that you're really proud of. So there's a lot that goes into that, but I knew from day one when I was masterminding with Cliff Ravenscraft and my mentor, Jamie Tardy, was doing you know, a one-on-one session with me and we were really strategizing, I knew that I was starting at ground zero. I knew that I was starting with no online presence. None of my previous careers had anything to do with being online. And I knew that I was starting from ground zero as far as broadcasting experience. I'd never interviewed anybody. I'd never been behind the microphone before. That was it. I had stood on top of a tank and talked to 16 men about a night off that we were about to go on in Fallujah, but I'd never spoken to a microphone before. So this was all new to me. So I knew that my wild card was that focus, that I could sit down, come up with a disciplined plan to create a system that would allow me to do a seven day a week podcast. And to me, seven days a week was everything that I needed it to be. It was going to get me 
building relationships with the right people on a much higher frequency level, 30 people a month instead of just four for those weekly podcasts. And that was massive to me. I'm like, that's 26 people that I'm forming relationships with, some of whom may turn out to be incredibly powerful and fruitful down the line, which many of them have. And then also, it was getting me better as a podcaster, doing it every single day. Again, doing 365 in my first year as opposed to 52 is light years of a difference as far as getting in there and making it happen. So I knew that the system was important and that was the batching, doing all the interviews on one day back to back to back. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be exhausting. And I knew it was, you know, I was going to suffer at the beginning, just like anybody training for a marathon. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw myself, I'm going to run a marathon once a week. I'm going to make it happen. You know, my episodes five, six, seven, eight might suffer because I'm going to lag with the energy, but I'm going to get to the point as soon as possible where I can knock out eight interviews at high energy with high the highest quality that I'm capable of. That was what I was always aiming for, the highest quality that I was capable of at that moment in time, which was always rising a little bit every week. And that was my focus from day one. So I'm hearing a couple of things on what you're describing. One is the power of batching and thinking in advance of, even though people at home experience a daily show, uh, obviously you, you've done the hard work of, getting ready for those Mondays and knocking out those eight, but not just knocking them out, like being ready for every, like one of the things I'm really impressed with is you do your homework with folks before you get on and you, you know what they're about. They're not just a kind of a, you know, moving them through. It feels like each one is unique and a standalone and, and important in their own right. And that honors the guest and it makes it really valuable for the listener. But I'm also hearing, especially when I listen to the show, some distinctives, like some, here's one thing that comes to the really jump to mind and that's your focus on narrative. It seems like you're very conscious to not just ask questions, but ask questions that incorporate a story that has the principles embedded in it, but also something that the listener just, I, I want to hear. I want to hear what these people are, are giving examples to. And I have some other things that I've noticed, but let's just start with the narrative piece. How important for you is focusing on story? Incredibly important. And that's what I think is so exciting about being an entrepreneur this day and age is that you can identify what you think is wrong or missing or lacking in any niche. And then you can be that person that makes that change. And I think that is so exciting. And for me, that was what was missing in the podcasting world was number one, a seven day a week podcast, but number two, the podcast that took that entrepreneur and broke down their journey and told the story of that failure and, and then analyze those lessons learned because I'd be hearing these great interviews by Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss and, and about how they're crushing it right now and how they're killing it with book sales and doing all these amazing things. And there's such a chasm there for me, the listener who is stuck in his nine to five job in a cubicle. I'm like, that's all good and well, but how do I get there? That is like an island far, far away. And so I was like, where's that interviewer that's just like saying, hey, Tim Ferriss is human. He was a nobody showing up at conferences back in 2006 with this book called The 4-Hour Workweek that nobody even wanted to look at. And he was forcing it down people's throats until finally somebody looked at him and said, dude, get out of my face. And like, that's the story that I want to hear because I want to know that it's okay to go through that and that Tim went through that and that Seth Godin got escorted off the AOL campus by 
police, which is in the episode I did with him. Like, you don't hear that story enough. And I wanted to have my listeners know that, you know what, failure is part of the journey. All the greats have done it. It's a stamp and a badge of honor. And these are the lessons that we learn from it. So number one, if you fail, you know it's okay to have fa- have failed. But number two, you know maybe you can avoid some of the, the failures and the pitfalls that aren't needed to be done. Again, you don't need to repeat that history. And here's how to avoid that. I have a friend who brought his kid to college. And the first thing he said to the admissions counselor was, we would like the non-view book tour, please. Like, we want to know, like, where do, the, where do the kids smoke the cigarettes under the bridge? And, you know, what what's actually – and and I love that because it wasn't – it was just a kind of invitation to authenticity, which is what I'm hearing. And, and while you're doing that, this focus on narrative, it also seems like you're very sensitive to establishing a consistent format that really – it breeds familiarity. It makes me feel kind of at home and comfortable, and I know what to anticipate. So, for example, you always lead with fails. Like, you always start with, where didn't it work out? And and then you go to the aha moment, and then you go to your lightning round, and you talk about this entrepreneurial leap, and, like, when did that happen? And that those kind of, like, four-part plays or three-part plays, it's amazing to me how if, I'm, if I want to jump on the call and, and listen – uh, and I just want the aha moment today. <laughs> I, I, I can basically fast forward like, eight, like six minutes and I'm, I'm right there. I got that locked in. And I, that familiarity is more. Talk a little bit about your thoughtfulness to the format you created. Dane, your time is valuable. My time is valuable. Everyone that's listening to this, your time is valuable. And I understood that as a listener because I would have one 27-minute commute to work every single day, and I'd have a 27-minute commute back. And during my time at work, I'd be grinding at a job I didn't like. I had to have those 27 minutes count in the morning. That was my time to get me a step closer to maybe making my leap. So the times that I was so disappointed by pressing the play button on a podcast that I loved, that I was excited for, that I thought was going to help inspire me, and then heard the first 21 minutes talking about cat videos on YouTube or or somebody's vacation in Hawaii, like there's nothing wrong with that. I love how podcasts can get personal and XYZ, but that's not what I needed or wanted at that time. So I knew that if I was going to go for gold with my podcast and do it how I wanted to do it, it was going to be so that my listener could press that play button and they knew that they were going to get that failure and lesson learned, that aha moment and the steps that guest took to turn that moment into success, what was firing them up right now. And then, yes, definitely the lightning round so we can get some value there and some great recommendations on books, resources, the et cetera. So that's the podcast that I wanted to listen to. And that's the podcast that I created. You do a lot more. Well, more for your community than I think people give credit to. And again, this connects to format and consistency, but you're very sensitive to regularly describe your audience, your your listeners as Fire Nation. And I'm wondering, where did that idea come from of like naming the community? I know that's kind of big in the NFL. You have like Raider Nation and you know, all <laughs> these kinds of things. But, but in particular, like it seems like I'm part of something if I'm part of Fire Nation. Talk a little bit about what you're thinking about with your community. Sure, I'll give you a little insight and some transparency. I loved the college that I went to. I was a big college fan. I loved being in college. I loved the college experience. I feel like I really made the most of my college experience. You know, I I went, I was very engrossed in the activities and the sporting events. And something that I was so proud of at my college 
that I really felt made me feel even more a part of my community was the fact that I went to Providence College and our mascot is the Friars, so the Providence Friars, and we called ourselves Friar Nation. And I was like, that is so cool. Like, I love being part of Friar Nation. I'm proud. We're chanting Friar Nation at the basketball games. It's amazing. And it just clicked to me when I came up with the name Entrepreneur on Fire that Fire Nation was what I wanted my listeners to feel like they were part of something. You know, just like you alluded to, that's exactly what it is. That in my past, I experienced what it felt like to be part of a nation. And I wanted to bring that to my listeners. And that's where Fire Nation came from. You have a lot more than Entrepreneur on Fire on your website. You have six podcasts at last count that I saw. <laughs> and, uh, and on top of that, podcasts, you also have courses built as podcasts. And it, it just seems like, obviously, the flagship has to be Entrepreneur on Fire, but it, it seems like you're doing a lot more with that genre of communication than the average podcaster out there. Uh, can you share a little bit about what your what your mindset is around building products on top of this medium, as well as uh, some of the other, like some details a little bit on some of the other products that you have or podcasts that you have that people can enjoy? It became so obvious to me that the ingredients to success with Entrepreneur on Fire were threefold, free, valuable, and consistent. And Entrepreneur on Fire nails all three of those. It's free, it's valuable, and it wasn't always valuable because of me, the host. It was valuable because the guests that I brought on provided the value until finally I caught up to them where then I could actually provide value as well. And you better believe that seven days a week, that defines consistency. So it knocked that off the block too. And that's where the podcast grew to success. And so I said, how can I replicate that across different mediums, across different platforms, across different genres? And it just dawned upon me that it'd be amazing to create a beginning and an end podcast and a series, so to speak, of a course. And I have Podcasters Paradise, which is now a community with over 2,000 podcasters who are looking to create, grow, and monetize their own podcast. And I said, how can I serve podcasters out there or want to be podcasters that aren't quite ready to make that big leap and spend $1,300 to be part of Podcasters Paradise and all that is involved within that? I said, well, why not provide something free, valuable, and consistent. And that's where my idea for freepodcastcourse.com came out. And so I just created this completely free podcast on podcasting. It's a 20 episodes. It starts episode one with what is a podcast all the way through the end where I talk about monetizing um, your podcast and making it the best podcast it can be. Like it is a complete course. It's an all-inclusive. You listen to that podcast and you take that course that accompanies it like you can launch a podcast, no doubt. And I did the exact same thing with our webinar course. We have a, a webinar community called Webinar on Fire. And what we did with that is I turned and created thewebinarcourse.com, which is, again, a completely free course and podcast that's 15 episodes about how to create and present webinars that convert. And you know, it's exciting to think that we have 2,000 members in Podcasters Paradise and that we've done over $2 million in revenue. I mean, those are massive numbers. But what's even more exciting to me at this point is that we've done, in just in a month and a half, over 7,000 um, registrants for freepodcastcourse.com and over 3,000 registered for thewebinarcourse.com. Like, it's insane the amount of people that are taking and thriving these free courses. And to me... 
I do believe and live that Zig Ziglar quote that you can get anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And that's the premise behind these free courses. And it's just been awesome to see the feedback that we've gotten from them. You are consistently transparent about money. And uh, in my mind, that does a couple things. One, I trust you. And two, it validates your work. And I'm wondering what else you think that does. And by the way, for those that are at home and haven't been to entrepreneuronfire.com yet, just check out the upper right-hand corner. Uh, <laughs> those are monthly numbers, friends. Those are not uh, annual or for some people like decade numbers. These are This is like every month and, and it's growing. And I, yeah. lo I love your path of like showing it wasn't always like this. Uh, these were, yeah, you've grown into this and you're still, you're still heading in that direction. You're on a trajectory. But what do you think it does for listeners to know that you are you're putting those numbers out there because it seems like it could have a double edge. On the one hand, it could be it could be so intimidating, but sure. the, but the, on the other hand, it's 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 not like it it started there. It, it's that's just the today's plot point. Yeah, I think you know there's definitely pros and cons to anything you do in this online world, and there's definitely pros and cons to the income report. Absolutely, you know I've done all I can, and it means a lot that you would actually say something like you know that you do trust me um, with that income report. But you know even to go above and beyond that, like we bring our certified accountant in who verifies all the numbers, who has access to all of our accounts because we do want to bring authenticity and transparency to what we're doing. And the core reason for that is, you know, back when I was stuck in traditional corporate, traditional path, whatever that was, world that I was in, I saw people like Pat Flynn is a specific example who was publishing and has been publishing income reports for four or five years now. And to me, that was the first time I saw the online world as not scammy, but as something that people could do, provide value and make a very good living by doing just that, by providing value. And going back to that Albert Einstein quote that I love, you know, try not to become a man of success, but rather a man of value. And with Entrepreneur on Fire, I was finally becoming that man of value for the first time. And to see the dollar start to roll in, I said, you know, I remember how inspired I was by seeing Pat's income reports that this could actually be done. I want to bring that to podcasters. So I know they're, they're massive numbers. They can be intimidating to some, but you know we try to be very transparent within those income reports where we do show our failures so that every month our listeners and the podcasters out there that are studying those reports can avoid those failures, just like we show our successes. So hopefully some people can get inspiration and emulate some of those, You know, potentially on a smaller scale to start, but maybe on a scale that they can start to grow. And that's really exciting. I'm so glad you mentioned that kind of redemption of the online marketer, just the marketer in general. And, and you also mentioned Seth Godin a little earlier. He's somebody who's been a mentor to so many. I'm in that very large crowd of folks, and he has uh, he, he's who redeemed that idea for me. I had, an mm -hmm. I had an undergrad in marketing and a graduate degree in philosophy. And I remember when I the reason I made that ridiculous shift to unemployment uh, that is graduate work in philosophy. I'm glad I learned that stuff, but it was me stumbling back into Seth Godin. He said, look, marketing isn't just manipulating people from, to get from A to B. There's a, there's a gift in this if you play the game right. And uh, I, I think your example of Pat's a great example. I'd love to meet that guy someday. And just so impressed with that direction. When you look back at all that's happened in these two short years, anything you do different? I'll give you the last word on this piece. Sure. Well, I mean, hey, there's always stuff you look back on and in hindsight, which is 2020, you say I could have done this better. And for sure, me, it was sticking to my original launch date. I mean, you know, that's definitely water under the bridge now, but 
it was it was a big deal at the time. You know, my original launch date was August 15th. I didn't end up launching my podcast till September 22nd because I let fear, doubt, the imposter syndrome cripple and paralyze me. And if I hadn't invested heavily in a mastermind and a mentor, I might never have launched. That's how little faith I had in what I was building at when it really came down to it. Like I didn't have this blind like faith. I didn't have blind faith. You know, ignorance is bliss. Like we kind of talked about briefly at the beginning and I didn't have that ignorance. I was fully aware that this could be a big flop. <laughs> and, and that was scary because I didn't want to go back to, you know, what everybody was calling the real world. I knew that I wanted to make this work and I was, you know, as long as I could be pre-launch, there was always that chance chance it could work. And so because of that, I let it just kind of delay. But I knew as soon as I launched, it was either going to be a proven model or a failed model. And that was scary. So I delayed for five weeks. All that did was delay this inevitable success of entrepreneur. Actually, inevitable is the wrong word because nothing's inevitable. But the success that Entrepreneur on Fire did end up having, it just delayed it by that much time. And I just wish I had just stuck to my guns. I was ready to launch August 15th. The downloads would have come that much faster. The recognition would have come that much faster. And everything would have been on a five-week faster time frame, which, again, in hindsight, it's not a huge deal looking at the, the length of the career. But at the time, it was a big deal, and it was a shot to my confidence. And that's something you know I definitely wish I didn't have that mindset on. So what I'm getting out of what you're saying is if people are listening at home, they ought to get after it, name a time, and just ship. Plants. Yeah, I'd love to read Hoffman quotes, the founder of LinkedIn. If you're not embarrassed by your first product, you waited way too long. This was episode 044 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. ConvergePodcast.com is our home where you'll find past episodes, as well as Go, the unconference for creatives looking to grow their business. Want to come? Check out ConvergeSummit.com. Music today provided by TripleCMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anne Quaza at acreative.co for her audio production. And a special thanks to John for being with us. Visit him at entrepreneuronfire.com. Finally, if you haven't shared an episode of Converge with a friend, would you? Think of one person right now who you think would benefit from my conversations with Seth Godin, Chris Gillibo, and Hanley, Ryan Holiday, and many, many others, and invite them to join in. You caring enough to do that sort of thing is a nod to us that we're doing something right, and like leaving those really great reviews on iTunes, we see you friends, thank you. It's a really big deal. So again, we're grateful. Thank you. That's it for now, though. I'm Dane Sanders. I cannot wait until next time.